God did not say, go and teach them to obey all that I've commanded if you happen to be in full-time ministry. If you happen to work at a church, because everybody expects a pastor to talk like that. So don't worry about it if not. Just do the whole thing where you, um, what, what do we say? Well, I'm just going to live well, and that will be a witness to them. And when I go and um, you know, something bad happens and I react to it well, they're all going to run over to me and say, what is this thing that makes you be able to react well to it? Tell us about this, Jesus. That's not going to happen. Okay? It's not going to happen. That was Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington. And this is Contemplate. Sharing our faith can be frightening, although we all know it shouldn't be. After all, it's the best news ever. But we still get all freaked out, don't we? And today we're going to learn a lot from the Apostles' Prayer for Boldness. Turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 4, and here's Pastor David. If God has designed the universe and your life to work a certain way, you cannot choose to do it a different way and expect your life to run right. It's not going to work. We're going down the same path that Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the Jewish people went down when they said, get rid of Jesus. Get rid of him. He's not doing what we want. We don't like his plan. We don't like what he's calling us to do. Get rid of him. Let's break those chains. Let's break those chains. I want to read you a quote from um, a local judge in Oregon. The guy's name is Michael McShane, and he's a United States district judge. And in May of 2014, he wrote an opinion overturning the law in Oregon that said that, ma that marriage was the union of one man and one woman. So he overturned that, right? He overturned that and said, same-sex marriage is now legal in Oregon. And this is a quote that he used, and I want you to see if you can find the Psalm 2 in this quote. This is what he says. Where will all this lead? I know that many suggest we are going down a slippery slope that will have no moral boundaries. To those who truly harbor such fears, I can only say this. Let us look less to the sky to see what might fall. Rather, let us look to each other and rise. <laughs> he's being pretty obvious about what he's saying. Stop worrying about God and the consequences that may come from breaking his law. We can throw off our chains. Let's look to each other. If we all do it together, we can rebel. We'll be successful. We can do whatever we want to do. That's what this guy's saying. Don't look to the sky. Don't worry about consequences. There's no brooding omnipresence in the sky. You and I make the rules. Let's do what we want. Let's do what we want. This is so close to what Satan, as a serpent in the garden, said to Eve. I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 3. And I'm going to read you a little bit from there, first five verses of chapter three. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. And Satan says to her, you will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good 
and evil. He's saying this. Did God say you can't do that? Did he put some shackles on you? Don't worry about it. They're not real. It's not true. You don't have to follow this path. Break those chains and you'll just be like God. You'll be like God, which is what we say every time that we say, we're going to do it our own way. We are stepping into the place, telling, telling the Lord, telling God that we are God. No, I don't say Lord, Lord. I say me, me. Because the only one who can design the universe is God. If any one of you afterwards wants to prove me wrong, just make a tree. Right? But it's got to be out of nothing. You can't use wood. You just got to make a tree. When you can do that, we'll talk about whether you have some good moral ideas. Until then, the one who made the universe and rules it is the one who makes the rules. But Satan's saying, you don't need that. You can be like God. Make your own rules. Break the chains. Go away from it. This is the same story that we see continuously. It's right there in Psalm 2. It's right there in what they're quoting. We see the same story, this futile attempt to throw off God's chains and the things that he's called us to do that we think we can be God. We think we can make the rules because we don't like what God said to do. The person who says, I can throw off the chains of God's law is like the person who says, I can throw off the chains of gravity. There is no difference, just so you know. God's plan, his sovereignty, his plan for the world, and the moral rules that dictate how you ought to be and behave as his child are no different than the laws of physics. They are just as sure to take place. They will happen. God's plan will happen. What he says about morality will happen. But if I tell you, I'm going to break the chains of gravity, just to put it in context. I'm going to break the chains of gravity. They can't rule me. Who's, what's gravity to tell me what to do? And I go up on the roof and I jump off. You laugh. That's exactly what the psalm says. That's exactly the reaction God has when we say we're going to break the chains. He laughs. See, I've got a lot of gravity, right? Gravity is a serious thing with me. And so if I try to walk off the building, really bad things are going to happen because I can't break off the chains of gravity. No more can you break off the chains of God's plan and God's moral law. Can't happen. You will run just as surely into death as you will if you say that I can break the chains of gravity. There's no difference. There's no difference in how it's going to affect you. Okay? So, here's the thing. The world sees God's law and God's plan as chains that it doesn't want. And so, they've said, we're going to break the chains, we're going to go away. But here's the good news for you. They're not chains. They're not chains. They're not chains any more than having to put gasoline in your car to make it run is a chain. It's not a chain. It's just the way the car works. God's law and God's plan is not a chain. It's just the way the universe works. It's just the way it works. When my kids were young, little, it's very possible that they might have wanted to eat chocolate all day long. All right? Just get up in the morning and just start munching on some chocolate and be doing that until it was time to go to sleep again because chocolate is good. Right? Candy is good. They want to eat candy all day long. But I know that if they eat chocolate all day long, it's going to lead to a tummy ache and sickness. And so I say, no, you cannot eat chocolate all day long. How about one chocolate? And then they say, well, you just had five, Dad. That's, not, that's beside the point. 
totally beside the point. Go to your room. No. How about just one, right? Because one, you get to, it tastes good and it's okay with your body. Your body will, will be okay with that. But if you eat a hundred of them, you're going to have problems. And they might say, I don't like that. They think that they know, right? But, I, but I'm doing it. Why am I doing it? To put chains on them? Because I'm a brooding omnipresence? Or because I care about them and I love them? I'm doing it because I love them, right? But although I love them and although everything I'm doing for them is out of love and I'm trying to help them to be able to enjoy and have the joy of chocolate, but not the pain that comes from overindulgence, they see it as chains, right? And when uh, my son Ethan was quite young, I'm thinking he was like two or three. We were in, in law school in Virginia and I don't remember what my wife Tiffany and I told him to do. We told him to do something, okay? You know, do such and such. And he didn't want to. He didn't want to do that. And so he just announced to us, I'm going to go find a different family, right? I don't like these chains. You all are putting chains on me. I'm going to break my chains. I'm headed out, right? I'm talking like two or three, okay? He's little. He's, you know, walking like this. So uh, Tiffany and I laughed, right? Because that's what you do when someone says they're going to break their chains. And we said, okay, go ahead. And he did. He walked out the door and started going. I'm like, He'll walk like 20 feet and he'll come back. So we kind of followed him out. We lived in these apartments and it's a big old parking lot. And he starts to walk. We're like, you know, he'll walk a little ways. He'll just turn around, come back crying. He did not. (laughs) Kid was out of there, man. He was like, see ya. Chains off, baby. (laughs) Yeah, it was bad. We had to run after him (laughs) and bring him back because he was serious about it. Kid was rolling. He didn't like the rules. He didn't like the rules. I did the same when I was a kid. My sister and I did this. So we had made this grand plan to run away. We lived in Southern California and we were going to go to Texas and work on a ranch. That was, that was the thing where we don't like what's going on here at mom and dad's house. They have too many rules. Let's get on our bikes and ride to Texas. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know how many movies I'd seen or whatever where like people go and they like work on the ranch or you know whatever but that, this was the idea that we had I've been to Texas since I'm glad it didn't happen but no <laughs> just kidding just kidding for our Texas friends but that was that was a thing it was silly it's laughable it's laughable my parents loved me they loved me it wasn't chains intended to break me down and make me not the person that I was made to be. It wasn't chains. It was the arms of a loving God enfolding me and keeping me on the path that was going to be best for me. That's what morality is. That's what God's plan is. We may not see it all. We may not like it all, but you have to trust. That's part of what faith is. You see enough to know that God is trustworthy and worshipable. He's worthy of your worship. And you trust that it's not chains that you need to break, but arms that you need to stay close in because it's what's good for you. And you can't get outside of it. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 29, chapter 4. This is, the, this is their prayer. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. This is really interesting. What did they say here? These guys, remember who these guys were. These are the most powerful guys around. And they had threatened them. You're in big trouble if you keep talking about Jesus. They had threatened them. And what was the response? 
It was not look on their threats and make their threats come to nothing. That's not what they said. Look on their threats and punish them all. Right? Nope. Look on their threats and save us from getting in any kind of trouble. Make our lives perfect and peaceful. They didn't say that. They said, give us boldness to speak your word in spite of their threats. Even though they're threatening, give us boldness so we can keep doing this. And what do we know is going to happen as we keep doing this? We're going to keep being persecuted. Jesus had already told them, if you follow me, you're going to be persecuted. There's no getting out of it. There was no question for them here of getting out of it. They already knew it was going to happen. As surely as God had fulfilled this prophecy about people plotting against Christ, as surely as that, Christ's prophecy that they would suffer persecution was going to happen. They weren't even trying to get out of it. And they also weren't even thinking about stopping. What they asked for was boldness to move forward. That's an understanding of the sovereignty of God. Understanding that bad things are going to happen. And instead of praying to avoid them, which there's nothing wrong with, by the way. You can pray to avoid difficult things and should. And should. But in this case, they knew this had to happen. God had already said this had to happen. So instead of trying to go against God and say, are you sure? I don't know that I like your plan. They just said, just give us boldness to get through it. Help us not to be afraid. Help us not to be afraid. Um, They were probably very afraid. The persecution was beginning. This is the first that we see in Acts. The first persecution. They get sent to jail. They know it's just going to get worse from there. So they're probably very afraid, but they trusted in the sovereignty of God. They trusted in the sovereignty of God. People don't want to hear about Jesus. They don't want to hear about Jesus. They want to be free of him because they think freedom comes that way. But freedom doesn't come that way. Freedom comes in Christ. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. True freedom comes in Christ, but the world doesn't want to hear about Christ. And so as you go out and do what you've been called to do, you will face persecution. You may not go to jail, although you may. Who knows what's going to happen? You certainly will face a lot of awkward looks, people talking about you negatively, people not wanting to listen to you, people calling you a bigot. Because if you disagree with anything in someone else's lifestyle, you are either a bigot and you hate them or you're afraid of them. Those are the only two options if you didn't know that. If you disagree with something somebody else does, you either hate them or you're afraid of them. That's what society's going to tell you. That's what's coming for you. But if you want to call Jesus Lord, master, in charge, you have to do what he said. What did he say? Go into all the world. Right? You've got to make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you've got to teach them to do all that I commanded All that I commanded. And you're thinking, wait, all of it? Some of that stuff is a little retrogressive, right? Some of that stuff's a little old school. All of it? How about just the parts that everybody likes and agrees to? How about I just talk about those things? Everybody likes that stuff. The Jesus that's really nice and holds the little sheep and tells everybody that they're okay, people like that Jesus. I can say that I follow that Jesus, and it's just on Sunday, by the way. I don't get really into it. And everybody thinks I'm okay. Nope, all of it. All of it, the hard stuff, the stuff they don't want to hear. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. That's what you're called to do. Now, you can shrink away from that, but then don't call him Lord. Don't say he's your master because this is what he's told you to do. 
This is what you've been called to do. All that he's commanded. All of it. But that's just for pastors, right? And professional ministers. Because there's such a thing as professional ministers. People who are, you know, the only ones who are really supposed to do that. Matt Chandler, a pastor in Texas, says something really interesting. He says, do not buy into the lie that there are professionals and unprofessionals in ministry and mission. There is no such thing. God did not say, go and teach them to obey all that I've commanded if you happen to be in full-time ministry. If you happen to work at a church, because everybody expects a pastor to talk like that. So don't worry about it if not. Just do the whole thing where you, um, what, what do we say? Well, I'm just going to live well. And that will be a witness to them. And when I go and, um, you know, something bad happens and I react to it well, they're all going to run over to me and say, what is this thing that makes you be able to react well to it? Tell us about this, Jesus. That's not going to happen. Okay? It's not going to happen. What are they asked to do? Give us boldness to speak the word. They weren't talking about, I'm just going to kind of live this life. I'm going to hope that people notice. And maybe after many, many years, and most of my friends have died and, and not heard the name of Christ, maybe one of these people will ask me, why are you so wonderful? But here's the thing, you're not that wonderful. Right? I'm not that wonderful. I'm a sinner in need of a savior every day. And so are you. And the likelihood that your life alone will speak and that that's enough is not true. There is a time to shut up, right? There is a time to shut up. There's a famous quote that says, preach the gospel always. Use words when necessary, right? There is that aspect to it, no question. You should live a life that way, no question. But you've been called to speak the word, to teach people to obey Christ and all that he commanded. That's what you're called to do. It's going to be tough. We have to have boldness and we have to have courage. And courage is tough because we're afraid. Here's what Ambrose Redmond says. He says, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. You're going to be afraid. It is scary to speak the name of Jesus. And the reason it is is because people react so strongly against it. They're so busy breaking the chains. They react against it. But you got to speak it. Not because you're not afraid, but because you have judged that speaking the truth of the word of Jesus Christ of Nazareth is more important than your fear. It's more important. Let's go to the last couple verses here. 30 and 31, it says, By stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So the first thing they're doing is they're asking, hey, validate our ministry through signs and wonders. Heal people. Let me see your power. How often are you saying to God, God, let me see your power, not just for me and my own thing that I need fixed. God, I lost my keys. Let me see the power of your Holy Spirit. Where are my keys at? Which is fine, and you should pray if you lose your keys to have God help you. But they're saying, show the signs and wonders. Why do they want that? To validate the ministry of Jesus, which is what had just happened. This man who Peter and John didn't know personally, 
They weren't hanging out with the guy at his house, as far as we know. He was just this guy who needed to be healed, and his healing led to them being able to preach the name of Jesus. It validated their ministry. So they're asking, hey, God, validate my ministry. Validate your word. It'll help me to speak with boldness. And then what happens? It says that when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. That's some crazy stuff. If I said a prayer and all of a sudden the room starts shaking, you're going to think that something's up, right? This is not an earthquake. As we know, if anyone in the earthquake was, he would have said there was an earthquake. He said the room was shaking. So God shook this place. What's he doing? What's God doing? He's saying, I am here. This is what you've prayed is good. It's going to happen. And what does it say? They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they what? Spoke the word of God with boldness. That's what they had asked. God shakes it up, says the Holy Spirit is here, and they go on and they speak the word of God with boldness. Let's do the same. You've been listening to Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church, and this is Contemplate. What an encouraging lesson. We don't need to be afraid to share our faith. God wants to show up and give us boldness, and all we've got to do is ask. And with that, let me ask you, where are you with Jesus? Is he the Lord of your life, or are you still just checking all this out? Well, if you have any questions at all, come see us at Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington this Sunday morning. We'd love to help you find the peace and hope that can only come as you have a relationship with Christ. Get directions and all the info you need at axechurchnw.org or call us at 360-885-9000. Hope to meet you this Sunday. And I hope you'll check out the next episode for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.